if you've got a uh, smartphone, can anybody look up how far it is to the moon, from the earth to the moon? I want somebody to look that up and tell us. Yeah, you probably know off the top of your head how far? Roughly 237,000 miles. 237,000 miles. Yeah. Now, what if I told you that no, uh, Bob is not right. It's actually 382,500 kilometers. That's KM, I think. Am I right or is he right? We're both right. So it's different ways of measuring the same thing, isn't it? I had to look that up. You probably knew it off the top of your head, but one and a half light seconds. So yeah, 200 some thousand miles per second. Okay, so if you're traveling speed of light, it'll take you one and a half seconds. That's, wow. Well, uh, that's a good thought too. Uh, they say in eternity we'll be able to travel at the speed of thought. How about that? That's pretty wild to think about. Yeah, so that may that may differ between who you are. Oh my goodness! Well, hopefully, uh, my point in uh, bringing this up tonight, this distance from the Earth to the Moon, is that what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, it's kind of a big word called dispensations, and uh, if you've been through our discipleship two course, this will be similar to that. Um, I love this topic because, you know, when I was first saved, I had been to church uh, for 31 years. My mom took us boys, us three boys, but I wasn't saved till I was 31. I went 31 years to a church before I was saved. Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, pretty much three times a week, every week of my life before I was saved. And so... I felt like I knew something about the Bible, even though I maybe didn't know the Bible. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And so when I got saved, things like this just put meat on the bones, if you, if you know what I mean. Just like I knew the stories, but I didn't ever get much out of the story. It wasn't, it didn't come alive to me. <clears throat> so what we're going to do tonight, uh, the reason I brought up this thing to the moon is uh, if you can think about the book of Revelation over here and the book of Genesis over on this side, uh, dispensations is just kind of one way of measuring from Genesis to Revelation. And just like, uh, you know, what, what we're going to teach tonight is there's at least seven dispensations within, we're calling this a parentheses of time because, you know, the first most everybody knows the first verse of our Bible, in the beginning. Well, if you just stop right there, what was that the beginning of? That that was the beginning of time. So we're, we're going to carve out a parenthesis of time. Uh, I'm going to put just ET here, not for extraterrestrial, but for eternity past. And in the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we'll just put the ET future here because 
once this issue of uh, sin has been dealt with, you know, time will be no more, right? There, they'll, there's no more need for the sun and moon, for, for Christ is the light. <clears throat> and, uh, and eternity will... T- uh, so this is like a parenthesis of time that we're going to talk about tonight. <clears throat> and uh, I'm trying to think just, uh, I've got, I do have a handout that I'm going to hand out in just a minute. But I wanted to give you just some definitions, maybe. <clears throat> and and let, let's all, uh, a second here, let's all look at the book of Ephesians for a minute. I think this is maybe the best place. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2. And uh, we're probably online now. If you're joining us online, uh, uh, my name is Steve Fleshman. I'm one of the pastors here. I lead uh, our recovery ministry. And so we have an addiction recovery ministry that meets on Friday nights. And we have some one-on-one things that we do. And uh, there, I know some of our guys are meeting over here in the library doing some of our accountability. And uh, I'm also the uh, facilities pastor uh, just to help maintain the facilities uh, after our pastor Jim Boyette passed away two or three years ago. So anyway, uh, just want to give you a chance to get to Ephesians 3. And we're going to look at verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul, and in Ephesians 3, 2, the Bible says, If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. And here's this word dispensation. Now, uh, the English word dispensation is only in our Bible four times, and uh we would say to one another that we are, right now, we are in the dispensation of grace. Some people call it the church age. Uh, I, I was, uh, some of the teaching that I've had, and th- this book is in our library, uh, it's, it's called Dispensational Truth. Uh, a man named Clarence Larkin wrote it in the early 1900s, and, uh, he, he even has this kind of as the ecclesiastical age. So, you know, we call it the church age or age of grace or, but the Bible calls it the dispensation of grace. And, and what do you think grace even means? What does that mean? What would you say? Yeah. What do you think, Kevin? So they, yeah, that's an acronym. God's grace, G for God's riches at Christ's expense. That's pretty good. And uh, really, uh, kind of a definition is unmerited favor, isn't it? We we get what we don't deserve. So so mercy is getting what we deserve. We we deserve to be punished, that, but we're not punished. So that's mercy. But we we get grace, so we get what we don't deserve, and we don't get what we do deserve. So I think I said that right. Huh? Yeah, you get mercy if you don't get what. So if your kid deserves a spanking and you don't give it, that's mercy. But if they deserve a spanking and you give them an ice cream cone, there's grace. There's so I like I like to say it that way too. 
So that, that's, that's where we're living at is that we are in a dispensation of grace and, uh, <clears throat> and Paul is kind of the steward. They, Paul is saying that he was giving that, he was given this dispensation to you word. He, he, he's giving it to the church through his steward, his servant, his apostle Paul. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> there's also three times in the Bible. I think I'll hit on this now. Let, let's all go to, to Luke 16. There's three times that the same Greek word is translated something else. So let's all see what that other something else is. Matthew, Mark, Luke. <clears throat> I'm going to try not to wear you out with turning to too many places, but look at Luke 16 and we'll read 2 through 4. And this won't make sense to you at first as it being compared to a dispensation, but we'll just start in verse 1. We're going to read Luke 16, 1 through 4. It says here, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now, what is a steward? A servant? Somebody taking care of your stuff? Kind of a caretaker? You might say a manager. So a manager manages other people's stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's what a steward is. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. So this was not a good steward. He wasted his master's goods. <clears throat> and then in verse 2, <clears throat> And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. And then in verse 4 he says, I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. <clears throat> and I'm going to stop right here. <clears throat> and... uh the word, uh, so dispensations, I don't know if you guys can read this, probably not. I was going to have everybody come to the center, but I don't want to make you feel like you're too close to somebody you don't want to sit by. Uh, so, it's also translated stewardship. So, so four times the Bible, uh, mentions the word dispensations, and three times that same word is translated stewardship. And uh, so now let, let me give you a definition of, of, dis, of dispensation. And then <clears throat> the, uh, so every fall the pastors have a retreat, and uh, <clears throat> we kind of list out uh, some of the topics of Wednesday night Bible studies and uh, who's going to teach what. And uh, I think we typically kind of carve out about 40 weeks of the year that we kind of know these are the topics we're going to teach for these 40 weeks. And and uh, oftentimes we have missionaries come in on Wednesday nights. And uh, 
there's different things that happen that we kind of fill in the other dozen or so Wednesday nights. And so uh, so we try to teach dispensations once a year. And it's really, <clears throat> I don't know if I would say better, but uh, it's what, what we're getting tonight is not really exhaustive. We're going to cover all seven dispensations in one night, in one hour, and so many minutes. Uh, but really, you could spend at least, you know, an hour on each of these. And I don't know how long they take in D2. But uh, anyway, I wanted to mention that. Um, let me find my de- definition here. <clears throat> you know what? This is a good time for me to hand these out so I can find this while somebody's handing these out. Let me find my definition. Yeah, Kevin, would you would you mind? Just I got twenty five. So if if your husband and wife, maybe just take one. I got 25, yeah. Yes, that is right. So uh, we, in our Bible Institute, that's funny. In our Bible Institute, uh, we have a four-year Bible Institute here. If you've uh, met the qualifications, uh, like you've completed D1 and D2, you're a, uh, and a few other things, but you're eligible to take our uh, four-year Bible college, and that is one of our courses that we do a whole semester. So we do uh, 15 or 16 weeks of an hour and a half each time on dispensations. So <clears throat> that's good, sis. Okay, I found my definition. Perfect timing. Now, make sure Angie's, I don't think Angie's got one. Did anybody not get one that wants one? Yeah. I know everybody thinks that, but I I don't always remember to give my own wife one. So I think it's under letter B on your handout there is where I give a definition of dispensation. It means that which is dispensed or bestowed, a system of principles and rights enjoined. And uh, that's the American Dictionary of the English Language, Noah Webster, 1828. And if you look at number three there, the Bible is naturally divided by seven time divisions defining what is being dispensed and the person or people group responsible for that dispensation. Now, let me ask you this. Does God change? No, he doesn't, does he? I mean, he says that, you know, I, the Lord, changeth not, right, or something. Uh, and Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So God doesn't change, but this is kind of the caveat is he does change the way he deals with people, doesn't he? I mean, uh, uh, you don't see... Uh, grace in every dispensation necessarily Uh, you do find Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord but there's different elements of faith and works and grace in in each one isn't it in this dispensation it's uh, where you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves it's a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast so so we are saved by grace through faith 
uh, alone, in Christ alone. And uh, th- <clears throat> this was another thing that kind of rocked my world. I think I left, I guess you got some blanks, don't you? I should probably help you. God placed divisions called dispensations in his word. So your first blank was dispensations, if you want to write that in. And then uh, the fourth, we won't go through all these. Uh, I guess just that number one there, I gave you this verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. I was going to have us all turn there, but it's on our handout if you have your handout. It says, to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I I told you from the get-go that we can measure the distance between the moon and the earth in miles or kilometers, and it's the same distance. And we can measure the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in the Old Testament or the New Testament. That's the easiest to see. We've got Old Testament... So we can make two divisions. We can rightly divide. There's at least two divisions in the Bible. And uh, we're going to propose that there's seven tonight. <clears throat> and it, it's going to be, th- this issue of stewardship is going to come up again. Uh, because in each of these dispensations, and you can imagine uh, with with Adam and Eve in the garden, the Bible says he was the first man <clears throat> And that uh, before he sinned, uh, he was innocent. And uh, God made him and helped meet in Eve. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, this first age or this first dispensations is just uh, the age of innocence. I didn't spell that right. And uh, but Adam, you can imagine, Adam was the leading steward. He 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 was the steward of this dispensation. <clears throat> that that's kind of what we're saying tonight. And yet, uh, he failed, didn't he? In 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 Genesis three, just not too far in. We don't know really the time frame there. <clears throat> it seems fairly early on. But he's a type of Christ. Uh, I speculate it could be up to three and a half years. That was the distance of Christ's uh, ministry on the earth from the time of his baptism till the time of his crucifixion. And you, you count that in the book of John. The John records four different Passovers in the life of Christ. And so that's he, he died on the last of those four Passovers. And so that's why we believe he, he lived uh, three and a half years because he was uh, Luke. 323 says that he was about 30 years old when he was baptized, and that was kind of the beginning of his uh, earthly ministry. Uh, Now, uh, number four there under letter A is just the Bible was written dispensationally, not chronologically. And you you can see that. um, I could spell it for you because I've got it here, but. Maybe you can just put C H R O N period. So like, uh, so I mean that's kind of a wild thought. Even uh, today, and I have one of these, uh, the chronological Bible. Some of you have one too. You can buy a chronological Bible, and it. Uh, I don't know if it starts in Genesis, but you see 
Job pretty early on, and you see it uh, before, you know, a lot, a lot of the other books of the Bible that in our Bible, uh, the the order of the the chapters and books are uh, are different, aren't they? So uh, that that's kind of interesting. The Bible was written uh, dispensationally and not chronologically. <clears throat> So, uh, <clears throat> at the end of this first age, this age of innocence, and uh, w- when you think of innocent, uh, the book of Psalms says that children are innocent, and what, what we mean by that is, you know, uh, does anybody in here have little children? Yeah, the pews do. Uh, and and of course the the barns, uh, you know you don't have to teach your children to sin, do you? They're, they sin by nature. And at some age there, they they also sin by choice, don't they? I mean, you don't te- have to teach a baby, you know, to cry and want what they want, and and uh, it's all about me, right? <clears throat> and. Uh, but like uh, Romans 4 says, is that uh, before the law, their sin is not imputed to them. That's what we mean by innocent. You know, they, they haven't, your little children haven't trusted Christ. They're not uh, saved, but, but they're safe. They're innocent. They're, their sin is not imputed to them. And, and so that uh, <clears throat> that's what happens here. But let's all turn to Genesis uh, 3 for a minute. <clears throat> Just trying to uh, establish kind of why we call this an age of innocence. <clears throat> but but what happened early on in in Genesis three is that uh, you know God had told them not to partake of the forbidden fruit, and they disobeyed God. And uh, the Bible says that the day that they eat thereof, they shall surely die. And the devil, of course, came along at the end of verse 4. It says, ye shall not surely die. So the devil, you know, renounces the word of God and casts doubt on it and changes it and then lies about it. And and yet uh, Eve was deceived and she partook of the fruit and the, and, and the man did too. And, uh, and so God judges them. And uh, we believe that they died spiritually that day. They they lived several hundred years later and then, then died physically. But the very day they ate of it, they they died. And we don't necessarily know with children kind of what that age of accountability is. That they they say in their heart, "I know this is wrong, and I'm going to do it anyway." Uh, but surely uh, that's at some point they become lost and in need of a savior. But look at verse 21. This is uh, kind of this is what I never got growing up going to church, <clears throat> and I get it now. <clears throat> Three twenty-one says, "Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them." And the thing that's so magnificent about that is Adam and Eve were guilty, aren't they? They 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 sinned. They violated God's law. That's 
that's what the Bible says sin is. Sin is a transgression of the law. They, they sinned against God's law, and, and we call this the fall. <clears throat> so, I'm going to try to uh, give you an, an F word for each of these dispensations. At, at the end of but uh, isn't God good? He sacrificed innocent animals for guilty people. Uh, that's what we call the principle of substitution. Uh, the Bible says that Christ was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, and he was the just that died for the unjust. He was the innocent that died for the guilty, and he was the clean that died for the unclean, and you could say many things like that. And so we're all uh, thankful for uh, God's goodness. So <clears throat> you can see here that even though they sinned, God loved them, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see him in heaven, Adam and Eve. But uh, the Bible says that uh, even though they were made in God's likeness and after his image, that uh, in chapter 5, this is interesting, in 5.3, and Adam uh, lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And so now... Even though Adam and Eve were created in God's image and after his likeness, now sinful man is creating his children in uh, his image and after his likeness. <clears throat> and uh, is it uh, Romans 5.12, uh, Wherefore, as by one man uh, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Thank you, Bob. And so uh, that's why our children have sin nature, and then they sin by choice. Uh, but this death passed upon all men. So from this time forward, uh, so, so does everybody see that there is a division here in our Bible? It's called the fall. And, and things before the fall are different than they are after the fall. That, that's what we're saying. So God didn't change. But man, man, this, his stewardship, Adam wasn't a good steward of the garden and what God told him and trusted him to do, and he failed in his responsibility, and so God judged that. And so now he's going to usher in a, a, a new dispensation. <clears throat> and uh, I've got them all listed for you on, on the back of your handout, I think. I'm not sure how far we'll get in here. But it's not very far in your Bible before uh, Genesis 6, 7, and 8 happen. <clears throat> and uh, there's a, a huge event happens called the flood. And uh, I think we call this the age of conscience. Yeah, before the flood. And I don't know if you've ever heard that, just that, um, you know, let your conscience be your guide. And, I mean, your conscience doesn't save you, but we all have a conscience that is kind of like a right and wrong uh, meter, you know. In your cars, you know, you've got a heat gauge and, you know, hopefully center is about where it should be. And 
you're not cold or you're, you're you kind of got uh, some gauges to help you navigate, and your conscience is like that, and and that's why uh, you know, especially in addiction, you know, I remember I, I did jail ministry for six years, and I remember a guy telling me just that. Uh, he said, I am so glad I'm in jail. I said, I, Steve, I've just told so many lies. I just needed to make a new slate, just clean the slate, start over. I, I'm just such a liar. And, you know, in this, in this day and age that we live, uh, I think it's, uh, either first or second Timothy where people have a seared conscience. It's, you know, if you just lie and you never tell the truth, you kind of get, you're, you're right and wrong gauge is off, isn't it? If all you know is lies, uh, you know, uh, you're, you've got a seared conscience. And so, uh, Noah, Noah was really the leading steward of this dispensation. <clears throat> and the Bible says he was a righteous man. We'll put the word conscience here. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It says they were eating and drinking and knew not the day of the flood came or something like that. And so there's many things about uh, the time of Noah where he was this preacher of righteousness. And, uh, uh, you know, he he was a, a type of Christ as well as Noah. But uh, the reason we call it an age of conscience, uh, God didn't have a lot of uh, interaction uh, with man. They, uh, they, uh, you know, God spoke in in uh, diverse times by by dreams and other things. Yeah, Jeffrey, go ahead. Do I? Okay, and Noah's on the next one. Thank you. Yeah, I think we had, uh, you remember uh, Adam and Eve had uh, Cain and Abel, and then Cain killed Abel, and so uh, Seth and uh, his descendants uh, were kind of the leading stewards. Thank you. And then we had Noah. You know, uh, Noah, I think the Bible says he was... Was he 600 at the time of the flood? And he lived another 350 years later. He lived like 950, so he was uh, lived a long time after the flood. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> hey, Jamie. We are studying dispensations tonight. And uh, I don't know if you, did you get a handout, Wendy? You can share with him. So anyway, there's uh, some big time g- gaps in here. We don't know exactly how long uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall. Uh, one of the things we use as kind of a staple uh, in t- uh, for some of our chronological is, uh, some of you have maybe heard of uh, Bishop Usher and uh he uh, he puts Adam and Eve in the garden around 4,004 years before Christ's birth. And so those are just kind of some general things. 
I think if you got an old Schofield Bible, they'll have some dates in it. So some of your Bibles do have uh, dates at the top. Does anybody have one that has a date for Genesis? What does Genesis 1 say? Say about 4004 B.C.? Yeah? Cool. So that's uh, the Bisher up Usher's chronology. and um, But, I mean, there's even different ways of measuring time. You know, solar years and lunar years and... Um, there's even a prophetical years that, that people, so you, you don't want to try to guess the day or the hour, right? <laughs> but anyway, this uh, so this next uh, dispensation comes from Genesis 9, and it, it's, it's a little bit weird, but... Uh, We call it human government, and the reason we do that is because uh, after Noah and his family get off the ark, they uh, God tells him that if any man sheds the blood of another man, then that man's blood will be shed for the one. It, it institute capital punishment and. It gives man some authority uh, uh, to govern uh, to govern people, and so that's why uh, it's called human government. <clears throat> and God told them to uh, you know scatter and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, very similar to Adam's uh, commission, and yet. Uh, man did not do that. They all came together, and the way you remember this is Genesis 1 1. They, uh, all the people came together as one, and they had this uh, city uh, called Babel. And who, is, who established the kingdom of Babel? Anybody know? It is, it's Nimrod. And so we. You might call someone that you think's foolish. You're a Nimrod. I've heard people say stuff like that. What were we gonna say, Jesse? Yeah, Genesis 11. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think of just the number 11. It's two ones, and it helps me remember that in Genesis 11. Yeah, thank you, Ron. That uh, the people became one language and they had one speech. They tried to build this one tower that was going to reach heaven. And it's kind of like people that try to work their way to heaven is kind of what they were doing in a, in a fashion. And uh, so we don't know exactly what that looks like. But um, do you know, as I mean, I've taught things about Noah before, <clears throat> I've read that there's there's almost 300 accounts outside the Bible of a worldwide flood. Uh, just from different uh, civilizations, they have a record of this one man, this eight people on a big boat and flood, you know, just as primitive as you think, and it supports the Bible. So all archaeological findings support the Bible, by the way. <clears throat> I think maybe only, it's less than 10% of the Bible has been proven by archaeology, but there's no archaeology that ever 
goes against the Bible. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. And anyway, in Genesis 11, uh, we're several hundred years past Adam by now. And uh, they tried to build this city that will reach heaven. And what does God do? What happens in Genesis 11? He confused the language. Yeah. And so, uh, for me, for my F word here, this is a folly at Babel. They, uh, it was folly for them to try to reach heaven after God told them to scatter and replenish the earth. They came together and tried to work their way to heaven. So that was folly to them. So they had the flood, uh, the fall of man, the flood of Noah, and the folly at Babel are these first three dispensations. So do you see uh, how that after each of these things are not the same as they were before? So before uh, Adam or Noah and his descendants, they get off the boat. They, they're the same language. They begin to multiply and uh, Nimrod creates Babel and they decide to all stay together and they all have one language. Well, now after Babel, they can't, they can't keep building anymore because, uh, they can't communicate and talk with one another. And so, uh, they, they do scatter at that time. And that's why we have different languages today, isn't it? Uh, and, uh, some, uh, scattered, uh, toward Africa. That's the Hamites. The, uh, typically the black man and, uh, you'll see, uh, the Shemites were around the Middle East and the Oriental. They were kind of more the red man. They come the other way and became the American Indians as part of, uh, the Shemites, we believe. And, and then the Japhethites went more northward into Europe and, uh, and then, uh, are the, the white Caucasian are the Japhethites. So all these, Languages stem from there, and the descendants of uh, Noah's uh, three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, uh, <clears throat> and then this uh, folly at Babel. And then, what happens in Genesis 12? Who Who's the new character on the scene? Abraham, right. And uh, he's called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and that, that's another name for the area around Babylon, so his family were pagan uh, idol worshipers, and God calls him out of that. And the Bible says he was a, a friend of God. And uh, Roger and I had lunch together today, and he reminded me that, uh, you know, uh, he, he believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He, he simply believed. And so you see uh, elements of faith and uh Grace and mercy and works all the way through this, and so, uh, so you see Abraham, <clears throat> and this was an age of promise because he he received an unconditional promise that uh, the family, you know, your descendants are going to be the families of the earth, and uh, uh, sometimes he's called the first Jew because he he got the. Uh, the sign of circumcision was given to him, and he was the father of the the Jewish faith. <clears throat> and uh, but he he came out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and he was given this promise, and it was an unconditional promise that uh, his descendants would be like the sand of the sea, 
shores and uh, the stars of heaven and that uh, everyone that blessed him would be blessed and those that cursed him would be cursed. And so it's a, it's a great promise. So this, this next age is the age of promise. And it's... Uh, And of course, Abraham, and he, he was called Abram before he was called Abraham. And this is a little uh, thing I, I felt like the Lord showed me is that, uh, you know, uh, Egypt is the land of Ham. T- twice in the book of Psalms, Egypt is called the land of Ham. And, uh, you know, after... God gave him the promised land. This is partly why Israel's called the promised land. God gave Abraham this promise to give him this land. But in, in time of famine, where did he go? He went to Egypt. And you know, after that, God changed his name to Abraham. I wonder, was, did he have to kind of live with that? Yeah, I went down to Egypt, didn't I, Lord? And, uh, the land of Ham. <clears throat> Yeah, I think in, there was a, a dream there, and he, I don't remember all that exactly, uh, Kevin. But yeah, that, that was uh, a covenant that God made with him. And so he was given this land in Genesis 12. So from Genesis 12 to really Exodus 12 is this age of promise. And... Uh, at the end of this, uh, remember uh, Abraham and Sarah had uh, Isaac, and then Isaac and Rebekah had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 boys, and what were they called? Huh? The sons of Jacob, or the children of Israel, because Jacob's name was changed... So the nation of Israel is called Israel because Jacob's name was Israel and his descendants were the the children of Israel. And uh, our pastor Brian is teaching Exodus uh, in Sunday mornings and uh, it, it relates to what we're talking about tonight because uh, after they were there for about 400 years, they were in hard bondage and the Egyptian Pharaoh knew not God or the God of, of Jacob. And uh, he uh, he put taskmasters over them and they served with rigor. And they cried out to God and God sent them a deliverer. And who was that? It was Moses. So Moses is the next guy on the scene. And uh, what was the last plague? that allowed them to come out of Egypt. The death of firstborn. So that, that's what I put here. Is this, this is a firstborn. Got to have an F word. So we had, uh, I mean, that, that was a distinct thing uh, of them bringing out uh, by the blood of the lamb, by the way, right? 
They put the, the lamb's blood on the doorpost of their houses, and the death angel passed over that house, the destroyer, and you were safe as long as you were under the blood, right? And the, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over that. And so to this day, the Israelites celebrate the Passover because the destroying angel passed over those that had the blood of the lamb. So we've seen Adam and his wife. They were dressed. God killed innocent animals, probably a lamb, and covered them. They were covered with the blood of the lamb. And uh, and Noah, when he gets off the boat, you know, everybody, all the kids' stories are, you know, the animals go in two by two. But the clean animals went in seven by seven, didn't they? And uh, when he gets off the boat, he sacrifices some of those clean animals. So they were he was do, he was uh, observing things that his forefathers was built into him. And uh, so Abraham's descendants, this age of promise, closes with the death of the firstborn. And uh, what do you think this next, uh, the dispensation that Moses covers is about 90% of our Old Testament. What, what might it be called? The law. This was the age, uh, a dispensation of the law. I'll put it up here. And so Moses, uh, again, was a type of Christ. He was the deliverer, you know. Christ is our deliverer. Uh, he was the lawgiver. I think even Christ was called a lawgiver. And he was a shepherd, and Christ is the good shepherd. And and all these things are just, uh, like I said, when I got saved, and I hear people say that Moses was a shepherd and Christ is a good shepherd. I mean, those are things that just clicked and a light bulb come on. And you start, you know, I tell people now that, you know, the Bible's, like an apple that you, you you take a bite out of it and the apple gets bigger and you take another bite. I mean, the more you eat of the Bible, the bigger it gets. It's just an infinite book and we're finite people. But uh, is there any other questions before we go on? We got about 30 minutes left here, but uh, I know I'm not following my hand out very good. Holly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've given you the first two blanks. The first one was dispensations. The second was chronologically. And I think this uh, number, the third blank was the word stewardship uh, up here. And then the last one, I think I just had it. Every dispensation will have a leading steward. And, that, and that's what I've tried to do here at the bottom with Adam and Seth and Noah and Abraham and Moses. These are the leading stewards of those dispensations, if that makes sense. So, no, that's a good question. Uh, so, I don't think I've quite got there yet, but uh, so Abraham, the, the, the F word was the death of the firstborn. I think I've got them all there. I haven't given you the one for the end of of the time with Moses here. So I'm going to draw here, this This is Mount Calvary, where Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And 
you remember when uh, Jesus died on the cross? Uh, it was pretty popular about 20 years ago. Uh, somebody realized that Christ had seven sayings when he was on the cross. He he said, I thirst. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And do you remember what? And, and then he said, uh, what, do you remember what the last thing he said was? It is finished. So that was my uh, F word here, just just the word finished. It was finished on the cross. I think that's what you were asking, uh, Trish, maybe. Uh, so we've got, well, we've got one, two, three, four, five dispensations in, or divisions in our Old Testament. These, and like we said, you know, God doesn't change, but the way he deals with man changes. And so things after the cross, I mean, uh, Christ uh, implemented the New Testament, didn't he? He said, this is the New Testament of my blood. And they had the uh, first Lord's Supper there in the upper room and the night before he was crucified. And uh, but now what, what we read uh, early on was that. That Paul said he was given this dispensation of grace to you, word. So even though, uh, you know, somebody said this once, Christ wasn't a Christian. Christ was, he was God in the flesh. He was, and so Paul is the leading steward of this thing called the church age or the dispensation of grace. We'll just use the Bible word for uh, uh, for that dispensation, and Paul was a leading steward, and and, and that's what First uh, Corinthians eight tells us is that uh, that a steward should be found faithful, and and Paul was faithful, and uh, he uh, had uh, these three or four missionary journeys in which he established church and ordained elders and deacons. And uh, so we're kind of on the back page of your handout. And let's, let's look at the top of this, or let's look at the bottom of the first page and letter D, these commonalities between the dispensations. <clears throat> Every dispensation will have a leading steward, and God selects those stewards. Every steward is given a responsibility in ministering God's affairs. So God sets the standards. He, he establishes what those responsibilities are. And the top of your back page, in every dispensation, there will be a failure on the part of the steward or his physical or spiritual descendants to fulfill the responsibility. And God sees that failure. And in every dispensation, God will come down in judgment and calls into account his stewards uh, and God serves the judgment. And our enemy is present in every dispensation, uh, except most of the, disp- the millennium. That, that's our next dispensation, uh, opposing God's plan and attacking God's people. And man's heart is the same in every dispensation. So left, left to itself, it's prone to wonder, and, and its uh, heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17.9 says. And then every dispensation will have elements of works, grace, and faith. And what I had you put in that blank right above the chart is uh, the word principles. So 
Bible principles transcend dispensation. So the reason I put that in there is, uh, you know, the law of sowing and reaping has always been the same, isn't it? So, so, so those are like Bible principles that kind of uh, transcend dispensation. I, I, that was kind of the most uh, easiest way to say that is just about sowing and reaping. <clears throat> trying to think what I did with my notes. My notes are just a little bit different, so I wanted to look at them. And I guess this is them. Let's see if I missed anything. Are there any other questions you might have? Yeah, Bible principles. Okay. And I, I don't know if you. Uh, really thought of this when I was first saved I was saved in 1992 and uh, someone gave me some literature called uh, I think it's called millions disappear it was about the rapture anybody ever heard of that little pamphlet and uh, I started hearing things about the rapture our, our church didn't teach uh, the rapture but uh, you know as time goes on uh, you know Will the rapture include millions of people or, or hundreds, you know, maybe dozens? I, you know, I don't know what the rapture exactly looked like. But so we're saying here at uh, at the end of this age of grace, uh, uh, I don't know if you ever really thought about it, but the rapture is almost like a, a failure. I mean, each, each one of these. Uh, you know, the, the fall of man that Adam didn't, wasn't a good steward and, you know, the Seth and his descendants, you know, a worldwide flood killed everybody. And so it, it's almost like at the end of this church age, you know, the Bible says there's going to be a falling away first, right? It's, it's called apostasy and, and we see that, uh, all around us and, uh, you know, the, the last of the seven churches in Revelation is the, the church of the Laodiceans and they're lukewarm. They're not hot or cold. And so it's almost like God's just like, come on, you know, the church uh, has failed its mission. And, you know, come on home, boys and girls, you know. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so that that's more of, of a judgment than uh, than a congratulations. You've, you've completed the church age, you know. No, uh, Holly, you're right on target because that's what I was looking for. How how I did it? Uh, that <clears throat> so so Christ's second coming, we know is in two parts, right? Uh, and, and the way the best way to think of this is uh, in the Bible, it says uh, he comes back for his saints. So th- that's what happens at the rapture. <clears throat> Is that uh, that uh, Christ? You know, we meet him in the air. We meet Christ in the air. That's what First Thessalonians four says. And then uh, a short seven years later, he comes back with his saints. So that for his saints and with his saints are kind of the distinguish 
of his second coming. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> what happens at his second coming? What is, what is the the big event at the It's the start of the millennium, and it's the battle of Armageddon. And uh, so what I put there is just the word fury, the fury at Armageddon. Uh, that's what happens at the second coming. And, and, and in between there uh, is this uh, seven-year tribulation period. Uh, and we're, we're up here at the uh, judgment seat of Christ. And that's a terrible-looking chair, but that's, uh, that's like the throne of Christ. And we're we, all Christian. You know, when the Bible says all, we're also stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that means all Christians, not all peoples. But uh, every saved person that gets raptured out and caught up together with the Lord in the air, he comes back for his saints. And then at his second coming, he comes back with his saints. And uh, I kind of run out of room, didn't I? But th- this next age is sometimes called the kingdom age. So I'll try to turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Matthew 19 at this point. Let's look at Matthew 19. Uh, you know it as what we call the millennium, but uh, <clears throat> I want you to see this in Matthew 19. And and one thing we we try hard to do is, uh, as Bible believers, we want to take the the Word of God literally until. It's really impossible to do so. We we know that there's figures of speech in the Bible. And, uh, you know, Christ tells his followers to, you know, take uh, the beam out of the, uh, their own eye before they try to get the speck out of the, or the moat out of their neighbor's eye. And so, you know, none of us have a beam in our eye. So he's, he's using some hyperbole and figurative language. Uh, so it's really impossible to take that literally. But when we read verses like this in Matthew 19 and verse 27, <clears throat> it says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto, him, unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the gen- regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit, in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, this is uh, really interesting to me. Uh, he tells him in the regeneration. And what that means is, this word re means again, and uh, this generation is also translated Genesis. And so he says in the regeneration, in this, in this kingdom age, you 12 apostles are going to sit on 12 thrones judging those 12 tribes of Israel. That's why we know God's not all done with the nation of Israel. And he kept his promise to Abraham uh, that he'll have descendants as the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky of the heavens. In this kingdom age, this millennium, 
And that's what uh, millennium is. Uh, milli is is uh, Latin for a thousand, and annum is uh, annual. So a thousand annual millennium, uh, and we call it the kingdom age. Where th- this is this is an answer to the Lord's prayer: "Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven." God's kingdom is going to be on earth as it is in heaven, and those twelve apostles, and, and that's why when Judas by transgression, they had to replace him uh, with Matthias. Uh, Matthias, they had to have 12 because they were going to uh, fulfill uh, this word here. And uh, anyway, that, that little word uh, regeneration is only two times in our Bible. And the other time is in Titus. And it, it's, it's a reference to us when we get saved, we're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And uh when you think of Genesis again, um, well, this is what I think. When you have a Jehovah Witness come to your door and they give you their Watchtower magazine, they almost always have this beautiful picture of planet Earth and the fruit trees and kids and families. They're, they're, they're picturing what it will be like in the millennium uh, <clears throat> because it's going to be Genesis again. And the curse is going to be lifted, and you're going to have big fruit. And the Bible says the lion will lay down with the lamb, and the child shall play with the snake, the adder, and he won't. Uh, you know, there's going to be peace because the Prince of Peace will be here, and uh, there will be peace on earth uh, because Christ will be here. And so then, uh, what ends that? is in uh, Revelation 20. <clears throat> that uh, So Satan is bound for a thousand years. Uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis, or I'm sorry, uh, Revelation 20 uh, says the word 1,000 six different times there. And at the end of this thousand year millennium, Satan is loosed for a little season and uh, I call that the, the finale. The, uh, and it's the finale. I probably didn't spell that right. The finale at Jerusalem where uh, the Lord uh, consumes him. Uh, and, and that's at the end of the millennium. So the, these are the, the seven dispensations. And, and each of them end with a failure. So Satan is loose for a little season. And he gathers... Uh, people as a multitude to go up and fight against Christ, and uh, and that's the finale. And then eternity future starts, and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, gives the kingdom uh, back to the Father. And um, anyway, I was uh, wanting to look at a couple things. Look at. Uh, Look with me. This is kind of, you'll think this is kind of weird. Look at Hebrews 8. We've got about 10 minutes still. I think this gives us a little bit of a glimpse of the millennium in Hebrews 8. <clears throat> and uh, I'll be happy to take any questions that I. May not have said right, or I don't want to confuse anybody, but look at Hebrews 8 and verse 10. I think that's what I wanted. 
Hebrews 8.10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. And uh, one of the things we teach is uh, different phrases in the Bible. When you, when you see that little phrase, those days, I mean, we, we even say that now. We, we say, boy, it's been one of those days, right? That just means you had a terrible day, didn't it? Well, those days is a reference to the tribulation period. Uh, th- this, this time here, this time of tribulation uh, after the rapture, uh, the Bible speaks of it being a time of great tribulation in the which, uh, you know, if God didn't intervene, that uh, even the elect would be destroyed. But God does intervene, and he does come back uh, with his fury, with his saints at the Battle of Armageddon. <clears throat> and uh, so that that is a reference to those days. So here, here's what it's saying in verse 10, that uh, the covenant is that God will make a, a covenant with the house of Israel, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And look at verse 11. This is a strange thing to say. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And, and I'll stop right there. Isn't that weird? The Bible is teaching there not to teach people to know the Lord. You should not, don't teach people to know the Lord. See, that's not for this dispensation. That's what happens after those days. So this time right here, it says, don't teach every man know the Lord because God put their, his law in their heart. I mean, he's, you turn on the TV, he's there, he's on, He's on TV. He's he's at Jerusalem. Christ is here in the millennium, and Christians are ruling and reigning with him. And so there's no need to, hey, go tell people they need to know the Lord. Well, no, he he's in Jerusalem. Let's just go see him. And uh, so anyway, th- those are some distinctions that, um, you know, uh, you know, some Bible teachers say, well, that's just apocryphal language, and apocryphal means hidden. And, uh, you know, uh, that's really referring to the New Testament. And, uh, I mean, I've actually sat in a Baptist church and heard this not taught that that's in the millennium. And uh, so that's why just a little little pet peeve that I wanted to bring out tonight. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Pam is saying that uh, uh, the book of Matthew kind of transitions from the Old Testament to New Testament, and Acts kind of uh, transitions from the time of the apostles to the age of grace, and then Hebrews kind of translate uh, transitions from the time of grace to the to the uh, tribulation period and and the kingdom. So yeah, that's that's good that it's found in that. And you, you've got that chart there, and it, it kind of covers uh, some of the things. But, but now, go, now go back to uh, Luke 16, and, and let's kind of finish there, I think is what we want to do. Luke 16, this thing about stewardship. Because we said uh, 
Four times in the Bible the word dispensation uh, <clears throat> appears. And uh, three times the same Greek word translated dispensations is also translated stewardship. And that's here in Luke uh, 16. So I wanted you to see in verse 2, 16 two. That, uh, you know, so he was the first one, the steward had wasted his master's goods. So he was an unfaithful steward. And so now he's being uh, accountable. He's held responsible for the things he was steward of. And, uh, I don't know about you, that, uh, that should concern all of us, shouldn't it? You know, how, how good of stewards are we being? Of, of our monies, of our time, of what our gifts and abilities are. Um, I, I know it kind of resonated with me. I think it's in verse 10 of discipleship, or verse 10, uh, the lesson 10, where it says that our job is a way to uh, uh, something like pay for our ministry or something like that. I like the way it says it because it makes me think, okay, I, I'm not just working a job to pay my bills, but it's to... Uh, you know, help pay for the ministry, and you think uh, we, we've got just a, a small part in a in a in a great big uh, thing called the church, and uh, we're 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 given stewardship uh, over that, and so we're we're going to be called into account. And in verse at the end of verse two, it says, "Thou mayest no longer be steward." I look at that as as like the rapture of the church. When when we get raptured out of here, we're you know, time, uh, you know, our time's up. We're going to give an account for those things done in our body, whether they be good or bad. <clears throat> uh, but this steward had the wherewithal, uh, in verse 3, he said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig uh, to beg. I am ashamed. And uh, he's resolved what to do in verse 4, that when he, when I am put out of the stewardship that they may receive me uh, into their houses so he kind of plots a course to uh so it's not exactly uh like these this thing of dispensation and but um anyway he he makes he makes some good decision and if if you look down at verse 8 the lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely it says, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And uh, so that it that shouldn't be, should it? Uh, the things of the world shouldn't be wiser than uh, God's people. And yet uh, that steward made some coarse adjustments and uh, God commended him for it. And so anyway, maybe that's a lesson for all of us as we think about stewardship. Maybe we need to. Make a course adjustment, maybe. Uh, you know, each each of these, uh, telling Roger today, just, <clears throat> I was trying to look at each one of these dispensations and see, you know, how, uh, what they had to do to be faithful. And, you know, really, you know, Adam and Eve just had a pretty small Bible, just, you know, don't eat the forbidden fruit. And, uh, but I think each one of us, I know sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, boy, if, if I could just see like the Red Sea part, 
if I could just see the manna fall from heaven, if God would, you know, do some great miracle. But, you know, these people here, they were looking up here like, boy, if I just had the indwelling Holy Spirit, if I had the completed word of God, that, that would be what, you know, these people might want. And here, you know, boy, they're ruling and reigning with Christ. And yet, when the devil's loose, Christ is on the earth and they still rebel against the Lord. And so, uh, yeah, Kevin. Uh huh. Yeah, that was right. Right, right, right. Yeah, once you had the completed word, then some of those gifts were completed. And yeah, we we have. Anyway, uh, any any other thoughts or questions? Yeah, Ron. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Yeah, it's just unbelievable to think that way but well let me uh close turn turn to the book of ruth uh thank you ron for that comment very good yeah the almost like the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked ron in every age uh but look at look at the book of ruth if you can get to chapter four Joshua Judges. There we go. And uh, I know some of you are going with me to the Dominican Republic, and we're having a, a meeting at my house tomorrow night. And uh, this is kind of the devotion. You know, in, in Matthew 16, Christ said, I will build my church. And how do you think he does that? I mean, who, who, is, who is the church? It's, it's people, isn't it? So if he's going to build the church, how does he build more people? Uh, say get saved. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the premise of, of evangelism. And, and look, look at Ruth four here. This is kind of a. Um, I was just listening to scripture, uh, and I picked up on this. Let's start in verse, well, only got like four minutes. Let's look at verse just 11. This is the key verse. <clears throat> so, well, let's start at nine just so you get a little bit of the context. Verse nine, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. 
to raise up the name of the dead upon the inheritance, upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And I'll stop right there, but Boaz is called the kinsman redeemer and he re- he purchased this Gentile bride named Ruth. Now, that is so, you know, beautiful that, you know, Christ redeemed us and we, the church is mainly a Gentile bride. So, but, but look at verse 11. This is what stuck out to me. And all the people that were in the gate, I mean, this was a public thing. And the elders said, we are witnesses. And then they, they say this blessing. They say, the Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. It says that Rachel and Leah builded the house of Israel. How did they do that? Huh? No, killed them? Children. Yeah, I thought, no, they didn't kill them. <laughs> Yeah, they had the ch- Leah and uh, her handmaid and Rachel and her handmaid. They built by having kids. They that's how that's how Christ is building His church, isn't it? Uh, people are getting saved, and uh, that's what uh, it's. Uh, <clears throat> that's what the rapture is like. It, it says, "When the fullness of the Gentiles be come in." Uh, then Israel will no longer be blinded. So we don't know when the fullness, when the church is going to be built, completed, built, and raptured and caught away. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, that's what we're going to be doing, uh, Lord willing, in uh, August. We're going to go to the Dominican Republic and uh, help build Christ's church there and hopefully leading uh, people to the Lord. And uh, anyway, I just think that's a beautiful thing there. Let's uh, bow our heads. We've got two minutes, and let's just have a spirit of prayer here. <clears throat> and uh, nobody looking around, but uh, I know uh, Pastor Brian historically has done uh, some type of invitation, but maybe you're sitting here tonight, and uh, I, I don't know everyone's testimony. I, I kind of briefly told you that uh, I was saved in 1992 and uh, gave my life to Christ in Peculiar, Missouri at my friend's house. Uh, I knelt beside his couch and I repented of my sins and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. And I believe that I felt like just growing up in church, I truly believed in Jesus Christ. I believe in God, but I guess I just really had never confessed with my mouth. And it was just, it was the kind of the, when I bottomed out in my life and our marriage wasn't so good, our finances were not so good. And I was just kind of at my bottom there and I called my friend and he he just asked me the same question I'm going to ask you right now. He, he just said, Steve, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And uh, normally I would have been offended if someone would have asked me that because I went to church. I wasn't a bad person. But I just I got honest with my friend I, on the phone and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't know. And he said, well, would you come to my house tonight and just let me open a Bible and show you what I mean? And. So I did. I drove from Raymore to Peculiar, 1992, March 13th, and it was about 11 o'clock at night because uh, I couldn't get a hold of him earlier. And uh, 
anyway, he just showed me really. He said, you know, Steve, do you know you're a sinner? The, the Bible says all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. And and uh, that that was not news to me. It's probably not news to you. But uh, we all of sin. None of us are righteous. Uh, and, and that's uh, God's uh, measurement of entrance into heaven. You have to be righteous to enter into heaven. And uh, so that that is kind of the bad news. And then he expressed that, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know, because we are sinners, we deserve death. And uh, it's, it's like that's that's the payment. The result of our sin is separation from God. That's really what death is. And but he explained uh, that uh, uh, Christ, uh, God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even though we deserve death, Christ died for us. And again, these are things that I, I knew, I, I knew, I heard growing up in church. Uh, but the rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh my friend just said, Steve, do you, do you want the gift of eternal life? I said, yeah, I do. I want that. And uh, he, he just used an ink pen as an example. He said, well, if I give you this ink pen, you have to receive it. And and uh, he said, you know, it would be foolish to get a Christmas present and never open it. And yet that's what people do with Christ. Even though Christ died for the sins of the world, each person has to individually receive that gift. And Somehow that clicked with me, and, and he showed me Romans 10. I was like, okay, how, how do I get this gift? And he showed me that Romans 10, and verse 9, says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And uh, I really heard it that night that, that if thou, Steve, shalt confess with Steve's mouth and believe in Steve's heart that God hath raised him, Jesus, from the dead, thou, Steve, shalt be saved. And and so, uh, really, no, no uh, hesitation. I, I just told my friend, I said, well, I need that. I, I want to, you know, a few verses later, it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I, he said, well, how do you call upon the name of the Lord? I said, well, I guess you pray. And so I prayed that night. I called on the name of the Lord. And you know what? He, he honored his word. He, I confessed with my mouth. I believed in my heart. And God saved me. And, and he can do that for you. And that, that is the good news that... Uh, even though we may have failed and we're not good stewards, uh, we are sinners, uh, there is hope and we, we need to be saved. We can be saved through Jesus Christ. And so uh, uh, I'm going to be in the lobby here after our study. And if you would uh, like to know more, if I can help and pray with you, I'll be glad to do that. So let me just praise in closing, uh, pray in closing. And uh, please don't leave here not knowing if how to answer that question do you know jesus christ as your personal lord and savior that is the most important question the most important answer you'll ever answer the decision that you'll ever make so let's pray lord